The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. I'll tell you what, this is a fun, it's been a fun week. Anybody else have a good week? I know sometimes life is hard, but anybody, sometimes you've got to remember. Anybody have a good week this week? Yeah, good, good, good. All right. So we got some people who had a good week. We have some who are just like not hand raisers. You know, I feel you. I feel you there, okay? You had a good week too. I don't want to leave you out. Um, but hey, I, I, uh, we had Easter last Sunday, and, and Easter is, is always an exciting time. And, and I'll tell you what, it was super exciting. So we, had, we had a number of people last week just, uh, just raise their hands and say, I'm, hey, I want to follow I want to follow Jesus. I want to make a commitment to follow Christ. We had a number of people that we had at the ladies thing. They had their thing. It, it is a super exciting time. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me that God still changes lives. Amen? God still changes lives. And I want to talk a little bit like, okay, but now what? Now what? So I give my life to Jesus, but what does life after Easter look like? Right? We we talked about we're not we're no longer um, just Palm Sunday people that just kind of celebrate you know the party. We're not just Holy Saturday people who just go around like remembering the the death of Jesus but forgetting the life we have in Him. Now we're Easter people. We live in the life of God. But now what does that look like? You know, if, if, if you've been walking with Jesus very long, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for, uh, maybe you're one that gave your life to Christ last week or made a new commitment, or maybe just on Friday, you're two days into this new commitment for Jesus. And maybe even you, but definitely for those of us who've, who've done this Jesus thing for quite some time, you ever had this thought? Like, what does the Christian life, what is it supposed to look like? What's it actually supposed to look like? Is what I'm living in my life today, is, is, this, is this all that it is, that I, that I live my life and I be nice and I go to church and I pray sometimes? Like, is this what Jesus died for me to experience? Is this his grand master plan as he looked at how I live my life today and said, yep, that's it. That's the best thing that I could come up with and I hope you enjoy it. Or did he have a richer experience than even the one that I'm living today? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't, this isn't coming from a pessimistic side of things. There's some of you like, man, I'm loving my life with Jesus. But did you know in Christ, there is always more. Maybe you're like, man, I love Jesus, I love life, and things are going good. But guess what? Let me, can I just encourage you? God has more for you today, friend. If, if, you've, if you've been following, maybe in worship, you just said, God, I'm giving you my life fresh and new. And you recommitted your life. You don't need an altar call. You don't need to come down to the aisle. You don't need to mark a box. You just, you just right there before you and God said, God, I've, and your, your new relationship with God, your new journey of following God is no more than, than 10 minutes old. Listen, let me just tell you, there's more for you. But if you've been serving Jesus for a hundred years, I think, I don't think that's anybody in here, but if you have been, there's more for you still. There's more for you still. I'll tell you what, I've, I've been experiencing that more my whole life. Not that I have it all, but it's like, it, 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 it's like I'm going with God and like things are good and then all of a sudden he just like opens a door I just didn't even know was there. 
Anybody else have that experience before? Like you're like, man, things are going, then God shows us. And I just believe, I just believe that right now in this season of the church, God wants to open some doors for you that you didn't even know were there. That there's some newness and there's some richness that God is leading us into. And I'm just, I'm just pumped about what that's going to be. Um, let's pray. God, we praise you and we thank you that you are a God who just always has more. God, there, we, we cannot we cannot get to the depth of the richness of who you are and your character and, and your will in our lives. God, I thank you for that. It, it could feel overwhelming, but God, if we just relax and lean into you, God, it is just a, a joyous experience of, of your life and power available to us. And we just thank you for it. Lord, I just pray that not only now, but as we move forward, Lord, that you would you would you would teach us some things about the richness and the fullness of the life that you really did come that we would live. God, we thank you that you always lead us into truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a question that I've, that I've asked often. It's not deeply spiritual or theological, um, but the question I've just pondered myself is, what does the word crossroads mean as it pertains to the name of our church? And uh, I thought around like, well, we're, we don't, we're not even fully at a crossroads. We're more like a T intersection, right? <laughs> like, so it's not, it's probably not about that. And man, you know, you could do things like, you know, when you're at a crossroads in life, come to Crossroads Church, right? Like you could, you could play some nice, nice cliche things or, um, right, follow the road to the cross. I don't know, you can come up with all kinds of stuff. But so in that conversation, though not very serious one, um, Beth and I have had, well, about a year ago, Beth says to me, she's like, hey, in my quiet time, in my time with the Lord today, in my Bible reading, I, I read this verse. It's like, it could be a theme verse for us because it has a word crossroads in it. I'm like, okay, here, shoot, let me, what do you got? And this is the verse that she read. So this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. And I'm like, cool, that's a cool verse. Jeremiah 6.16, 6, that's a cool verse. But here's the thing, I, I, I will say this, I did not recall ever hearing or reading that verse. I know I have, like I've read through the Bible, I promise. <laughs> I've done it a number of times. But I don't ever recall that verse. And I think part of it is, is, is buried, and we're gonna, we're gonna be, this is gonna be our theme verse for a while, so we're gonna explore this a little bit more but, uh, in the weeks to come. But part of it is, is the verse is set in this this prophetic chapter talking about the destruction of, of Israel and, uh, and, and, the, and the fall of Israel and, uh, and of Jerusalem. And, and, and so, but here in the middle of this verse, and, and so I, don't, I, just, I just never caught it before. But since then, and maybe it's, you know how you, like, you buy a certain type of car, make and model of a car, and you've never even seen one before, but as soon as you buy one, they're everywhere. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that happened to the, with me to this verse. Like, I, I, I'd, I'd heard it, and Beth mentioned it as if it was the first time I'd ever heard it or had it mentioned. And then, like, in the course of last year, like two or three times, I've heard this verse referenced or, or, or taught on. And so I, I've kept coming back to it, and I've, I've been looking forward, actually, to, to really lean into this for, for a little while. And uh, I'm excited to, to, to jump into that with us today. Because I think, I really believe that what this points to is, is something that will 
Give us a grid. Give us a foundation. Give us some tangible things, some practical things that are going to help us experience the fullness of life that God intended for us to walk in. Like, I, I, I take Jesus at his word. I believe in the promises that he's given us. And that if I'm not walking in them, then, then maybe it's not his problem. Maybe I'm not actually walking exactly as he's laid it out for us. And so we're going to look a little bit, you know, there's some, some interesting phrases in this phrase, in this, in this uh, verse, right? Like ancient paths in the good way. Like, what is that even talking about? And we're going we're gonna to explore some of that ancient paths and, and, and the good way. But I want to start out by, by looking at what this verse is telling us to do. Again, the context is that of, of, of Jeremiah saying, listen, um, you have, you've lost your way. Je- of Jeremiah talking to the people of God and saying, listen, your lives look more like the people around you. Your lives look more like the nations around you that aren't serving God than they look like the path that I've laid out for you. There's something wrong here. And so like, you're not going to reap the reward of that. You're not going to reap the benefit of that. And that's really a, a polite way to put it. Let me sh- share what he actually says. Really, in Jeremiah chapter 6, uh, read it later on your own. It, it's very, very strong language. Flee for safety. Verse 1, people of Benjamin, flee from Jerusalem. I will destroy daughter Zion. Verse 2. Verse 4, prepare for battle against her. Speaking to the nations that are going to come towards her, the city. This is what the Lord says. Um, I'm going to jump to verse 8. Take warning, Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make you land desolate so no one can live in it. Like, this is strong language. And and yet, sometimes we get this idea that in the Old Testament, we see this angry, mean God, right? And in the New Testament, this nice, loving God right? That's not what it is, because this is what he's realized, is that Israel had turned their hearts from him. They'd rebelled against him. They disobeyed him, and their hearts were far from him. This is, and, and listen, you're, this isn't what I designed for you, and you're going to reap the benefits or the, the consequences of this. And yet, even in this prophetic judgment, there's a verse in there that's so important. One little verse in there. See, he says, he, he talks about how miserable they are, how they've turned from God. Verse 13, from the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. Again, it just keeps on going on. on. I'm not going to stay on there. Verse 16, this is what the Lord says. In the midst of recognizing they've rebelled, they've turned away, they've disobeyed. This is what he said. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. He's like, there's judgment coming, but, but I want to give you one more. I want to give you one more chance. There, there's, I'm, I'm not giving up on you, Israel. I'm not giving up on you, Jerusalem. Listen, like your lives look, don't look anything like what I've asked you to make them look like. They look like everybody else in the world's lives. And that's not what I've called you for. I've called you to walk a certain path and you're nowhere near it. So just, just come back to the path. Come back to the good way. Walk in it. But the last phrase I don't think it's even on the screen here. The last phrase in verse 16 says this, but you said we will not walk in it. Verse 17, I pointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet, but you said we'll not listen. 
And then he goes on to say there's consequences for rejecting the life of Christ of God. Now, this seems heavy, right? Like, oh, whoa, I didn't know. That's not what I was getting ready for. <laughs> I want the fullness of life. I want the richness of life. Well, here's the deal. Like, in the midst of, 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 of a world that it is, it just sometimes it just seems like whether you want to look at the church, whatever that means, I think a better idea is to look at my life and say, is, is my life any different than the average person who does not believe in Jesus? Is it just like, I look like them, except I believe Jesus exists and I go to church on Sundays? Or is there more to this? And so I believe there is. I believe there is. And I believe that if we learn what these ancient paths are, what this good way is, and we actually walk in it, then I believe that what the Bible says is true. And it says, and you will find rest for your souls. And so let's, let's just start, let's, let's dive in. And I want to start looking at, first thing I want to look at in this text here is what does this verse tell us to do? There's some interesting insights. There's some interesting studies on the ancient ways and the good way, and we're going to talk about all that. But first, what does it tell us to do? This is what the Lord says. If we want to be a people who, who, are, who are walking with God and walking in the blessing of God, who, who, who stand out among the people of, of our society and of our culture, what are we supposed to do? This is what he says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Now, crossroads is like an, an intersection, right? But in, in, in the way it's being used, it's, it's a place of decision. When you come to a crossroad, you know what that means, right? You come to a fork in the road. It is a place of decision. It's a place of options. So what he's saying is when you come to a place and, and, and there's a lot of different directions that you could go, look, look. The first thing he tells us to do is look, when you come to that place in life where you're like, I just don't, I just don't know anymore. Maybe you're, you're, you're coming from a place of I've been living for myself and I made a decision for God. Now I'm at a point, point of decision. Am I going to go all in with this thing? Or am I just going to be a churchgoer? Or was this just a decision that I made and I'm just going to go right back to my old life? You come to a crossroads and you got to make a decision. For others, maybe you've been living the Christian life and you believe in Jesus and that's all good, but you just kind of been like coasting, right? You've just been going through life and, and often when we coast in our Christian life, we're not very satisfied with our Christian life. It's, that tends to be how it goes. And so we're just kind of like doing our thing and coasting and, and whatever. And, and we, got, we come to a point of decision. Am I going to continue to coast? Am I just going to throw in the towel because this is hard work? Or am I going to like actually double down and say, no, 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 I'm going to follow this thing. We come to a point of decision. We come to these often in our lives. But he said, when you come there, this is the first thing that you are to do. You are to look. You are to look. What are we looking for? Well, what we're all looking for, right? Truth. <laughs> Let me define it another way. Reality. We're looking for reality. Reality is that realm that few people actually live in. <laughs> We are, are so good at blinding ourselves from reality. Man, self-assessment is one of the hardest things that you can ever possibly do. Because though we say we are rational and that we are reasoned and um, that we, we have an objective view of the world, we regularly blind ourselves from the truth. <clears throat> so when you look, let me tell you the, the, what you can do. The, the, the thing that you're supposed to be looking for, the thing that we are supposed to be looking for is where am I really? An honest assessment. Where am I 
really? Now, that's a hard thing to like, in my walk with God, where am I right now? Where am I? That's a hard one to assess. But let me just ask this. This verse right here, and others that we're going to look at here in a little bit, but this verse right here tells us that if we're walking this ancient path, as it describes, walking this good way, that we're actually walking in it, there is a, there is a, uh, a reward for that. Something's going to happen if we do that. What is that? What does it say? You will find what? Rest for your souls. You'll find rest for your souls. Now, let me ask you this then. Then we can look at it backwards, and it should all work and make sense. Are you finding rest for your souls? Is, is rest for your soul the default state of your existence? See, what we find in the Word is, is that if, if, if we're following these ancient paths, if we're walking this good way, right? If we're walking it out, the result is going to be rest for your soul. That's what we're going to be. So if, if we're not experiencing rest for our soul, Maybe I still have some things to learn. Okay, I'm not saying maybe you're not saved, okay? I'm, I'm not saying all of that. I mean, that could be. It's always good to just assess your relationship with God. But, but I'm just saying maybe, we'll just start here. Maybe we don't have an accurate assessment of where I really am. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm living for Jesus and it's hard. I'm living for Jesus and there's no joy and peace. I'm living for Jesus and it's so hard to love people. I'm living to Jesus. I'm just, I'm doing what he said to do, but I'm not really happy about it. What else do you want from me? I think we have something to learn about the ancient path. Because that's not the byproduct of walking with Jesus. It's just not. And so it's, it's easy to look at this on, the, on one end of it and be like, hey, find rest for your souls. Let me just go, yeah, I'm going to find that. Yeah, that's going to be great someday. Because I know this is, if you're walking, this is, this is the result. So the first thing we need to do is we need to look. And one of the best we can do is, am, am I experiencing in this life the things that God says I will experience if I follow him? If I'm not, then I need to take an honest assessment of where I am. You ever, you ever get lost? and refuse to pull up Google Maps. We almost, barring you forgot to plug your phone in last night, we almost have no excuse to ever be lost anymore. We've always got a tool in our pocket to tell us exactly where we are, and yet some of us refuse to pull open the map and actually get an, an honest assessment of, of, of where I am right now. And that's what we do with our spiritual lives sometimes. Like, I'd rather just like go to church. I know the way. I know the way. I don't even need to turn. And your wife's over there going like, honey, I think we should probably do. I don't need to ask for directions. And we do it with our spiritual lives. Like, no, I'm good. I know how this thing goes. I've been doing, I've been on this road for a long time. I know how this goes. And yet, if we're going to be honest, if we're actually going to look, when we come to that decision point, we have to be willing to look at ourselves and, and, and go like, wait a second, I thought I was on the way to the mall, but um, I'm in Waverly, so I don't... Like, you can just keep on walking and hope that you get there someday, but inevitably, you're going to end up in the Canadian border and go, I don't think this is the way to the mall, right? Like, we have to be, we have to be willing to look at where I am. 
and to assess the possibility that the, the path that I'm on right now isn't leading to where Jesus said, I want to be. First thing we got to do is look. You know, Jesus said, let me come New Testament for us here. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it's, it's, it's a text that, that many of us are familiar with. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide, I want you to notice this. Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. In essence, like it's easy to not follow Jesus, right? The call is, hey, do you want to do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want? Hey, there's this big old door. Come on in. There's plenty of room for everybody. It's a great invitation. But for those of us who've tried that door, well, you've tried door number one. Behind door number one is the ability to make all the decisions you want, however you feel like it. Fine print. Yeah, you, you'll probably be miserable. You'll wrestle with depression, guilt and shame, or constant side effects. Let's try door number two. How about, how about door number two? All right. Door number two is the, the narrow gate. For, so it says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Here's something that I've, I've not always seen in this text. And that is they speak of a gate and a road. Two different things, a gate and a road. Now, I don't want to read too much into this, but I think there's something here. See, Jesus says, I am the gate, right? He uses the, the shepherd illustration that anybody who comes in has to come in through me. I am the gate. I am access into the life of Christ. I am the access through, into a life of salvation. He says, come and enter through me. But he says, narrow is the gate and and small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Here's the thing. See, I believe there's some of us who've come in through the narrow gate, but we've kind of stepped off that narrow path. I'm not saying we're like roaming in, in, on the big, uh, broad highway to hell. I'm just saying we've come in through Jesus, but we've just gotten a few steps off of the path. Like he's got a plan for us. He's got a way marked out for us. And on that path, you stay in that path. And, and I picture it, and I don't know what you're picturing when, I, when you hear that, but what I picture is like you open the broad gate, this, this huge gate, and it's just highway. You just get on and people are doing what they want. It's fantastic, go wherever, right? It's broad. We all know that the end of it is a giant cliff. It's not a good road to take. But then we open this, this narrow gate. It's a little bit hidden. It's overgrown. And you open it up and there's this rich, just lush forest. And there's this, there's just this narrow path. It's like a footpath. There's like this narrow path that leads through it. And Jesus says, hey, come on in through this gate. I'm the gate. Come on in. And you come on in. He's like, now just follow this path. And we start following the path. And, and let me tell you what, this path is going to be the richest. There's, there's views on this path that you can't get any other place on the planet. You're going you're, you're gonna to experience the fullness and the richness of, 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 of this life. Now, it could be tight, and you, you might have to like squeeze around corner. Like, it's a narrow path, but trust me, it is fulfilling. It is rich. It is satisfying. There is purpose, and there is life. There is joy. There is rest. There is peace on this path. And some of us, we've, we've come in through this narrow little gate, and, and we started walking, and then but next thing you know, we, like, eyes go down, and then you're like, okay, let me just take this little step. Okay, oh, whoa, there's a tree there, so I better, okay. Okay. 
And we start navigating this based on where we feel we are, and we never look up and go, oh, I am lost in the woods. We've got to recognize there, are some, there is a path. And, and, and it actually affects the decisions that we make, the actions that we take, the, the, the motivations of our heart. And he says, if you walk this path, is life. First thing we got to do is look. We got to be able to assess where we are, honestly, truthfully. The second thing we got to do is we have to ask. The second thing that this verse tells us to do says, This is what the Lord says stand at the crossroads and look. So I've come to that point of decision. I'm like, okay, right? Like I've run into a tree in the woods and I, I can either just like keep on fighting through it or I can pick my head up and look and go, I'm lost. Okay? you got to assess where you're at. But then it says, stand at the crossroads, figure out, okay, where am I going now? And ask for the ancient paths. Here's the deal. Sometimes we get off, uh, get off the beaten path. Sometimes, not the beaten path, the unbeaten path. We get off that narrow road, the ancient path, the good way. We get off of it, and we look up, and we don't know our way back. We don't know what to do next. And, and I believe Jeremiah gives us some insight into what to do next. He says, ask, ask. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. Now, he might have said, uh, Jesus might have said, few find it, but some do. So you know somebody who's walking that Jesus path? You know somebody here, let me put it this way, if you don't know how to identify it. You know somebody that's always filled with genuine love and joy, with peace, with fulfillment, with, with, with satisfaction in life, with energy from Christ. You know somebody who look, looks like that? You, you bet they're probably walking the ancient path. They're probably walking that path of Jesus. They're probably walking the good way. Listen, ask. How do I get there? But you know what Google has done to us? It has made us horrible askers. <laughs> right? Anybody else? Like, I... You don't need to ask another human being another question for the rest of your life. Just ask Google. He'll give you an answer. Or she, or it. I don't know. Google will answer. You know, I, let me just in, invite you here. When you're asking for the narrow road, when you're asking, when you're seeking out answers to know how to align my life, to walk this path that Christ has called me to, that promises rest for my soul, you may not find it in the top 10 answers from a Google search. Just saying. Find people on the path. And there's different ways to do this. One, one is, is to find people, just known people that you trust, maybe that were not that you know. Um, I've been reading Dallas Willard and Richard Foster lately. Um, Whoo-wee. Their lives attest to the path they've been walking. And they've been helping people walk the path for a long time. Read some of their stuff. It's a good idea. But here's the deal. And here's where, we, we, where I still want to encourage you. You know what else is a good idea? Uh, talk to Pastor Phil. I know there's a number of people, but I just used him as an example. Talk to Pastor Phil. He's a man of few words. He's not going to get up on stage and dance and, and be the life of the party. But because he's a man of few words, you better listen when he speaks. You need a friend like that need a friend that you can trust, that he's not going to say what he thinks might be an answer. 
he's not going to give you an answer and he's not going to make something up because he thinks you need an answer. He's going to tell you what he's learned from Jesus and the life that he's lived. Now I could use that for a number of people in this room today. But here's the thing. We're afraid of asking questions. Because asking a question assumes something. What does it assume? It assumes weakness. It assumes that I don't know the answer. Right? If you ask a question, it assumes that I don't know the answer, and we hate not knowing the answers. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of reasons that we don't ask, okay? There's a lot of reasons that we don't ask. Let me just address some of them, just so we can identify them. I think when we identify them, it, it, it makes us easier to, to overcome these things, right? Here's one of the reasons that we don't ask is because I've got something to prove, okay? Now, this is, this is real common in, in, in younger people, right? Like, I can, I can do it myself. Now, listen, I'm not ages. I'm going to pick on everybody here, so don't just get all worked up about it, okay? But it, particularly, it's not about generations. It's about life stages, because I've been here before. That when I'm young, I don't want to ask questions because I want to show that I already know the answers. I've got something to prove. And usually, I think it's proved to somebody else, but honestly, it's usually proved to myself. I want to prove to myself that I already know. I want to prove to myself that I've got the answers. I want to prove to myself that I've, I've got things figured out. And so I don't ask questions. You know, sometimes it comes in a lot of different, a lot of different forms, right? But let me just tell you something especially when you're young, but even throughout your life, no one expects you to be an expert on everything, right? And the longer you try to act like an expert, the less you'll learn and the less likely you'll ever be one, right? We try to act like we're the expert, but the more we act like an expert, the less we'll actually learn and the less likely we'll ever be to be an expert on anything. So we got to let, let go of our pride, you know, the, how about, how about let's, let's pick on somebody more in the, the middle-aged department. Again, these could all be for anybody. You find yourself in that middle stage of life, and you don't want to ask for questions because you should already know this by now. Can I get an amen? This is me. I am guilty of this. Like, you start into a conversation with somebody, and, and it's a topic that you feel like you should know about, but you don't know about, and so you just like, mm, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, mm, oh, yeah, mm, oh, yeah, for sure, definitely, I agree, right? You don't even know what you're agreeing with. It's almost as if, like, let's, let's just, for example, there's like a hundred topics, and you feel like I should be at least on a scale of one knowing, like I heard about it a minute ago, and ten being an absolute expert on this. I should have at least a seven to eight range of knowledge on all 100 of these topics, which is absolutely ridiculous, right? But we feel that way. And then so when somebody engages us in something that we don't know about, or we want to learn about something, we ask Google because it's safer, or we read books, which is a step better, but we don't want to engage people, the community that God gave us the, to sharpen one another because we're too intimidated to acknowledge that I don't have all the answers about everything. I should already know this by now. Right? But guess what? We do this when we're young and we do this when we're old as well. Uh, let me just, just, just to get this, I just need to get this off my chest. I don't know how to change my oil. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just acknowledge it right here, right now. I'm no longer going to pretend that I know anything. When you start talking about your car and I do this, oh yeah, I'm lying to you. I don't know anything. I'm assuming that you know what you're talking about and that's the end of it. But there's sometimes we just feel like we have to be there. And so what happens is we don't ask. So when it comes to our Christian lives, 
when I'm super insecure because I don't really know like how to read my Bible. I mean, I know how to read, but I don't know what to do with it. I feel insecure because I know prayer is talking to God and there's no like formula or anything, but I don't want to admit to anybody that I can't pray more than 90 seconds and not figure and not like run out of things to pray for. And so what happens is we, we, we stay in this place of, of, of immaturity, non-growth, because we're afraid to ask for the ancient path. Somebody show me how to do this thing. There's another, another one. Um, is, again, it tends to be in the older uh, stage of life, but it hits us in all kinds of places, is I, I just have more experience. I just have more experience than anybody. I, I don't need to ask questions because I already have more experience. And the older you get, the more you, this can tend to be something, not always, uh, can tend to be something. Because as you grow and older and mature, you ought to be in maturity overcoming that kind of thinking. Right? But we don't always get this. Sometimes, like I can't, I can't learn from you. Like, let's let's say this. Um, let's say you're on a giant scavenger hunt in all of Lincoln, okay? And there's a thousand clues scattered all over town, and and they're all leading to one prize. They're leading us to one location, okay? And people all over the city are starting right where they're at and they're searching for on your market set, go. And you start searching. You're right here at Crossroads, north side of town. You're looking all over the place and you're, you're going, you're finding, you got all these clues. And a week later, you're still getting, you haven't figured out the prize yet, but you're, you're looking at and, and okay, okay, I'm getting closer. I'm, get, I'm narrowing it down. And then some kid that started out at like 14th and Pine Lake way out there has been looking for 30 minutes and finds a clue that gets you close, that gets him closer than you have been searching for a week. And you're like, Ugh. would you ask him to share the clue? Honestly, most of us don't. Because what does that kid know? I've been searching for a week and you're gonna think I've got something to learn from that kid who's been doing this for 30 minutes? Truth is truth, regardless of what package it comes in. We've got to be willing to learn from anybody and everybody around us. It's, it's like the one that says, man, I've been married for 30 years. Oh, what do I have to learn from that person who's been married for six years about marriage? Well, let's dig a little deeper. You've been married for 30 years, but you've only had five enjoyable years. And, they, and they've been married for six. Their percentage is higher. Could it be that in the first six years of their marriage, they found a clue, so to speak, that is going to give them what they need to sustain a life of 50 years of marriage, but we're too arrogant to ask, thinking, what can they offer? Right? Now let's transfer this to our spiritual lives. I've been doing this thing for a long time. What does this new believer have to offer me? So I'll enter into these relationships as the, the mentor type. Come here, my child. Let me teach you the ways, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. In, in my reference to, to Pastor Phil, I, I, don't, I treat him with incredible respect because of his experience and his age and his life with Jesus. I highly honor his experience and, his, and, and, and all that he has learned. And so I put him in a very, very high place along with a number of people here at this church. Okay, I'm not saying we just are casual with those who, who deserve respect and honor. But I am saying, 
as if you are sitting in that spot. But to be careful not to exclude ourselves to the point of not learning all that God desires for us to learn, and we find ourselves stuck in the woods, too afraid to admit that somebody else might have a key that might lead me into the ancient paths. The path that leads to rest for the soul. So, first thing we do, we got to look. We have to accurately assess where I am. Are you on the path? Here's the best way to answer Some of us, you want to look at your lifestyle. You want to look at, I gotta, I'm at church right now. What do you mean I'm on the path? I'm here at church. No, no, no. I'm, you got to ask, you got to look at the results. Is the life that you're living rest for your soul? Like, oh, I stumble across, upon moments of rest for my soul. Good. While you're in the woods, you stumbled across the correct path every once in a while. Fantastic. Enjoy it. But there's a way to stay on that. Is the default position of your life rest for your soul? That's the life of the path. We have to accurately assess it. We gotta look. You come to that crossroads, you gotta look. And the second thing is, you've got to ask. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. Because friends, sometimes we just need each other. The next thing we're told to do, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. Number three, walk in it. Okay, I'm going to have more to say. This is honestly, this walk in it part is going to be where we're going to spend the majority of our time in the next several weeks. We're going to get very, very practical with some, really some, some practical principles of, uh, of people who are faithfully following Jesus. We're going to learn some behaviors learn some practices that we can incorporate into our lives that will help us experience Christ on a regular and daily basis in a way that we find true rest for our souls. Does that sound good to anybody else? See, Jesus, again, Jesus promised this, and it sounds so similar. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, here's, here's another one, right? We ask, like, here's the test. Are we living a life that is, is, is the default is rest for our souls? Is, is the life, is the Christian life an easy yoke and a light burden? If it is not, then it's not the Jesus way right? It should be that straightforward. So this is, again, we got to look. We got to ask, can somebody help me? Can somebody point me in the right direction? You know, I mentioned I was reading some Dallas Willard. I want to read you some, some, some insights into this life that he's, he's uh, written. It says this, one of the greatest deceptions in the practice of the Christian religion is that all that really matters in our, is our internal feelings, our ideas, beliefs, and intentions. It is this mistake more than anything else that divorces salvation from life, or in other words, the path or the gate from the path. And it leaves us a head full of vital truths about God and a body unable to fend off sin. There's more. 
We make such an emphasis on our internal life, and it is critical. Jesus put that emphasis on our internal life. But here's the problem is that we have this bad habit of every time somebody does something poorly, we dismiss it as evil. Right? You see that, that pastor who embezzled all that money and robbed from the church? That crook? I'm not giving the church a dime. Okay. But could it be that you were stepping off the path because there's a pathway of generosity that you're going to forfeit the blessing of? I mean, I don't want to, I've heard this before. I, I, when I don't read my Bible daily. I just read my Bible when I, I need answers and when I feel like it because I don't want to force myself to do this for sake of not being legalistic. I hope you don't brush your teeth with that same theory. <laughs> right, like, like there are certain things that we do in this life, actions, behaviors that we adopt that align ourselves with the life-giving rest and refreshment of Jesus. But if we call everything that we say we ought to do legalism, which is the real common trend today, then we are, we are missing out on the way of Jesus. You know, uh, Willard continues to talk about texts like that talk about die to self or, or put to death the flesh or live by the spirit. Some of these uh, more challenging texts, and, and he continues by saying this, both the secular and the religious setting in which we live today is almost irresistibly biased towards an interpretation of these passages, these hard ones like this, that condones a life more like that of decent people around us than like the life of Paul and his Lord. We talk about leading a different kind of life, but we also have ready explanations for not really being different. And with those explanations, we have talked our way out of the very practices that alone would enable us to be citizens of another world. So I'm not going to touch much more on this for right now because this will be the focus of the next several weeks. But I, I do want to come back to this fourth one here. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and one, look, and then ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is, and then we got to walk in it. we got to walk it out. It's going to have practical, physical uh, expressions in our regular daily lives. And if we do that, it says, and then you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. There's some of you that you've been walking the Christian life so long, a restless Christian life that honestly you're questioning even right now if that is even possible. And I want to tell you, if Jesus is right at all, he's right about this. If we can believe that he, he rose from the dead, we should believe him when he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. If, if, if he died on the cross taking the punishment of God on my behalf, then should I not believe him when he says that we can be of good cheer because he will overcome the world? Would we not believe him that says that like if we follow him, his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Should we not believe that as we follow in the way that he's prescribed for us, the way that he has modeled for us, that if we actually do it, that we're going to reap the fullness of that life? 
Listen, the goal here is not to say, oh, we've lost our way. Listen, because eh, I, I believe, and I don't even know, I'm glad that God is the judge. I'm glad I am not. I don't, have to, I don't have to decide all these things. But I know there's a lot of us that we've come through Christ. We've entered the gate. We've stepped into the life with Christ, but we just we got lost in the woods a little bit. We still love Jesus. We believe that he's the way, but we're just not finding the rest for our souls. There is a path. There is a path. And it leads to rest. There's a path that as we walk, it's an easy yoke. And that yoke, that idea of, of, of let's take my yoke, being attached to God, like to oxen. It's easy. He's like, I'm going to do the pulling. You just stand here attached to me. My burden is light. Pulling the, the, those oxen are pulling that plow behind them, but it's not drudgery. He's doing the work. The burden we carry is light. That's a real existence that is available for you and me. But this world that we live in, it's all going to hell and everything's going wrong. Yep. So is Jesus's. To the point where they executed him. So yeah, he gets it. In this world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. Take heart. He's still seated on the throne. There's some that, that the reason you come to church is because it's that, that momentary pick-me-up that you need. Essentially, you live your life in the woods and like every Sunday morning, you just kind of cross the path. Now again, the Christian life isn't all about all the feels but it is about a deep-rooted sense of peace and rest, hope and joy that you don't have to come to church to get, that is available to us every day. We gotta look. If we're too busy looking at the trees, if we're too busy staring at our feet, I, uh, but we don't look, if we don't, we don't ask, man, I need some help, I don't know how to X, Y, and Z, then then we're never going to find that path. So this week, we're going we're to talk about what that path is over the next several weeks. But this week, I just wanted to kind of prime the pump to get us thinking and get us in a place of, of, of humble surrender. Like, God, I'm, I'm, just, I'm open to the idea right now, God, that, that where I'm at, the path that I'm walking on, God, that there's, there's more richness and there's more fullness. Maybe you've given up, that you're, you're, you're just going to be dissatisfied with Christian life and it's going to be painful drudgery your whole life. Listen, I'm here to tell you it's, it doesn't have to be that way. Are we willing to submit to his leading? Are we willing to learn and grow to find the rest that he's offering? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word to us today. We thank you for the richness of Jeremiah 6.16. That he, even if even if everybody else around us is, is, is stuck in the woods or, or, or taking the wide road, God, that you've opened the door, you've opened the reality, you've made this invitation, come and walk this path that leads to, to rest. Father, would you draw us in this very moment, draw us now, maybe even to the simple reality, the simple acknowledgement that there's, there's just still more I need to learn. There's more I need to grow in. There's things that I'm not seeing correctly. 
I'm, I'm coming. I'm in you. I came through the door. But I'm a little lost in the woods. I want to I follow you the way you wanted me to follow you. The way that brings life and hope. So this is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.